Recently, Lengo Dean and Riyandin Kennedy sat down with CEO of Clearflame Engine Technologies, Dr. B.J. Johnson, for an in-depth conversation. Topics range from explaining what Clearflame is, Dr. Johnson's STEM background, the importance of diversity, and much more. Stay tuned for CCG Media's presentation of A Conversation with Dr. B.J. Johnson, featuring Lengo Dean and Rayondin Kennedy. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, we're talking today to the CEO of a company called Clear Flame Engine Technologies. And what they do is they develop low-cost solutions to bring equitable, I'm reading here, and rapid carbon mitigation and air quality improvement to heavy duty engines like freight trucks and farm tractors. Dr. Johnson, he likes us to call him BJ. What does all of this mean for the everyday person? Yeah. Um, first off, thank you guys for, for having me on today. Um, you know, essentially what, what Clearflame is looking to solve is, you know, the, the diesel engine technology, you know, it's the, the, the typical heavy duty engine design. Um, it's, it's been demonized a lot recently, but the reality is, you know, our quality of life depends on those engines. You know, the food that you eat is planted by tractors that are running diesel fueled engines. And when you know, you're working from home and you're taking deliveries from Amazon, you know, that's getting shipped around the country by diesel fuel freight trucks. Um, but, you know, for all the benefits they have, those engines have serious environmental challenges. Um, they produce a lot of CO2 and contribute to climate change. They really screw up air quality, especially in dense urban areas with things like smog and CO2. And so Clearframe's mission was to, to find a way to decouple the economic value, the performance benefits of those engines from the environmental concerns that come along with diesel fuel. So we create a technology that allows the engine to operate in much the same way with a much, much, much cleaner burning fuel. So the world no longer has to choose between, you know, getting the basic access to goods and electricity that these engines provide and actually having clean air and a healthy planet. Um, you know, we presented with that choice, We've been presented with that choice so far, and Clearflame says, no, that doesn't have to be a choice. We can get both. Hmm. That's interesting. So the, uh, the people who make diesel trucks and tractors are, are really, it's a juggernaut, so to speak, in terms of the amount of money they make every year. Have they bought into this idea? Are they pushing back against it? Uh, where are you with them? Yeah, so, you know, we are never going to be, or not never, but, you know, it's not our plan to be an actual producer of engines ourselves. So, you know, if you're a, a trucker, you know, it, it's not like instead of going to Peterbilt, you'll come to Clearflame and say, let me get one of those Clearflame trucks. You know, you'll still go to Peterbilt, but you'll ask for one of their trucks with a Clearflame enabled engine in it. And so they've generally been supportive of the work we've done so far, our earliest demonstrations have been on a, a Cummins engine platform that they gave to us so that we could demo our tech on their platform, adding some other partners right now. You know, it is a big entrenched um, industry with a lot of heavy hitter incumbents like you just referred to. 
Um, but I think they also know that, you know, the world is demanding cleaner alternatives. Like there's a reason why Tesla has become so popular of late, that they're proving that this is not the only way to do it. And so, you know, I think these manufacturers are actually really excited about a startup company like Clearflame that can can take what they're already good at, which is making these diesel engines and make their existing expertise something that is more compatible with the sustainable future that we need and that everyone's demanding. So I think we're a great way for them to modernize their product lines. And I think they're excited about that. That's good. So is this something, is this a piece of technology that we can add on to trucks that we already have? So say I have an F-150 truck. Is this a technology that I can add on to it? I can walk into a shop and say, oh, can you add uh, the clear flame technology onto it? And if I can do that, um, or what do I tell my, my sister or my girlfriend, you know, in terms of, oh, you know, you should think of putting this on your truck because, well, this is what it's going to do. What is, what is it going to do? And is that possible in the future to walk into somewhere and pick up that technology so you can put it on your truck? Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a great question on a lot of different levels. So, you know, first in terms of what you're referring to is, is, in the industry what you would call a, a retrofit product you know rather than having to buy something new you can get it installed in your existing equipment our technology absolutely can do that as well you can in the example i gave earlier you can go to peterbilt and ask for your clear flame enabled truck you could also take your existing truck and go back into your maintenance shop and say hey let me let me get the retrofit on this um which i think is uh you know taking a, a small side tangent there that's a really important part of our technology because we've seen it in, you know, take California, for example, where I went to school, a state that is very progressive about its sustainability goals. Um, but they still have a lot of really old diesel engines on the road, especially driving around the ports in Oakland, Long Beach, you know, these areas that have really bad poor urban air quality. If we're going to solve our problems, we can't just sell cleaner new trucks. We also got to get the older, dirty trucks, you know, off the road or, or failing that, you know, upgraded to something that that is cleaner, which is what Clearflame can do. So those are those are both parts of our business model, and they both they both work through that existing manufacturer partner channel. Now, to the the part of your question about, you know, why would someone want to adopt this? Um, you know, I, I think a, a lot of our early adopters are going to be, you know, not the individual owner operator. So, you know, you mentioned your F-150 or what your girlfriend's F-150. Like, yeah, that'll work eventually, but I think the early adopters will be, you know, the bigger fleets of the world, like, you know, the UPSs and the Walmarts that are under a lot of pressure to, you know, meet these pretty aggressive carbon mitigation goals. You know, people are promising we're going to cut our carbon footprint by 80% by 2050. You can't do that if you don't cut back on your on your reliance on, on petroleum diesel fuel. So we get people over that hurdle. But I think the thing that's really important is that we offer those environmental and air quality benefits without actually asking people to spend more money. Like we're doing this with a technology that everyone already knows how to use and maintain. You know, you can find a maintenance person anywhere in the world that knows how to work on a diesel engine. So we, we keep all of those benefits. And we use these low-cost fuels. You know, this is not run on some, you know, magical fairy dust or whatever. This is like your basic, you know, ethanol fuel or whatever that you can find all across the country at rail yards and at gas stations. And it's a fuel that's already cheap. So you can adopt this technology 
you know, still get all of your, your work done that you need in your job, meet all of the sustainability benefits that, you know, I, I'd like to believe that most people care about, but if, even if they don't, there's enough people putting pressure on to care about it, they got to do something. Um, but then the, the third leg of the stu stool here is also being able to do it while saving money at the same time. Because if we're going to make this change as fast as we need to make it, we need to make sure people aren't having to choose between you know, their livelihoods and their economics and the environment. And clear plan, we can, we can offer both. So let's reduce your carbon footprint, let's clean up air quality, and let's save you money by adopting this technology. So there was a, a few different answers there. It was a really good question. Did I, did I miss anything? No, you didn't. Uh, you covered, covered the waterfront really well. And um, which brings me now to uh, the question of, um, I know that you have been partnering with uh, someone I think you met at university during your, I think it was your PhD program. Um, and you guys have been working together for a number of years. Um, and you've gone through various cycles as you've, you know, tried to grow this startup and, um, and, and sort out funding for it. And um, you've done some wonderful things. When I was doing the first kind of, you know, research, a uh, background research on you, you guys were popping up everywhere, um, you know, showing, uh, um, showcasing your, your product and, and getting people interested in it's winning awards and, and, and getting, and getting funding. Um, I say all that to say, uh, are you at this, at the point where you're looking for, say, people in, still in college, two-year, four-year college, who might be able to work on this with you? Or if not, then it, is there something that you know now that you can pass on to them in terms of how, you know, they can work in this space? Yeah, so, um First off, you know, we're, we're very much a growing company. So, uh, you know, we'll always be looking for, you know, more engineers, more uh, people to help with our marketing and our business development. Um, you know, there will always be needs for legal help, for PR help, you know, all, all, the, for, all the, the parts of a company that a, a young growing startup needs will definitely need. I mean, you know, we, we are just one company. So I'm hoping to reach the point where we can generate a lot more interest than we can possibly take on ourselves. Um, which I think leads to the second part of your question is, you know, what would I encourage people to do? Um, and it's simply get out, get out there and try it. Um, you know, it is a, it's a hard space to break into. You know, it's a, it's a very traditional sector in really every sense of the word. Um, but that doesn't mean it's something that you have to be afraid of. I think it's something that is traditional, but we see is changing really quickly that people are beginning to appreciate the importance that diversity of thought is bringing to the space. I think it's a sector that for, for 50 years got away with pretty much doing everything the same way. Um, and you know, they, they were successful and they made money off of it and you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that, but the, the world is changing. And you know, every, all these large companies are, are realizing that they need to think outside the box. And in some cases, the box that they're currently thinking in is, is really narrow to their existing worldview. And that there's a real hunger out there for people to come in and bring new ideas to this sector. Because I think one of the things that everyone is agreeing on right now is that change is coming. And ultimately, whoever has the most good ideas is really going to end up doing well. And if you're not trying to adapt to that, you're probably in trouble. And I think that gives a real opportunity where there's been real barriers in the past to come in and say, you know, whether it's doing what Julie and I did at Clearflame of 
hey, we have our own idea and you know we want to champion it and we want to make this technology a market, so we're going to do it ourselves. Uh, you know, I would encourage you just to try it. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? You fail. You fail and you go try and do something else again in the future, right? Um, and, and, and the best thing that happens is you change the world. That's a pretty good deal in my mind. Um, but if you don't, if you don't want to go that route, you know, entrepreneurship is, is not for everyone and, and nor is it better than the other things you could be doing. Um, you know, if instead you'd rather, you know, get a job at, at Ford and say, hey, you know, guys, here's the way that, you know, people are, are thinking about how these trucks fit into our lives, you know, not in kind of the, the typical farm tractor or, you know, the, the truck that's, you know, driving in I-70 through the Midwest or something like that. You know, may, maybe it's not a question of that, um, but, you know, this is how we think about it in urban areas. Here's the role that these, these types of engines technologies have to play. You know, those companies need those perspectives too. And if you want to try to make that change happen from the inside, I think there's real, there's real interest in seeing that, hap that happen as well now. And so I would just encourage you to do it. Um, and if you're like, do it, start early. And if you're not liking what you're doing, there's, there's plenty of other opportunity and, and just, you know, find something else. But you never know until you try. I know that's a cliche, but I really think it works well here. Thank you. Well, I'm going to end with a cliche question, which is, where do you see yourselves? Where do you, is it your partner's Julie, I think? Where mm -hmm. do you guys see yourselves in five years? <laughs> you know, it, it, it might be a cliche question, but it's one I really got to have a smart answer to, so I should be a little bit prepared. Um, you know, I, I think where we, where we want to see things is, you know, five years, we're, we're a, we're a clean tech hardware technology. And, you know, it, one of the differences between the type of startup Clearframe is and, you know, a software startup is um, it, it takes a lot of time to make stuff out of metal a lot faster than it is to put ones and zeros into a computer. And so, you know, I think the next five years of my life is, is very much going to be going towards making Clearframe a reality. I'm hoping five years from now, um, you know, we've, we've reached a point where this technology is, is on the road and in the field with, with multiple different partners and that, that we've gotten the inertia that exists in this sector to actually start, you know, building momentum behind what we're doing and, and taking, taking this product that Julie and I have helped to create and really running with it and scaling with it themselves. You know, at which point I would, I would love for there to be an after clear flame of, you know, what's, what's next. I think there's a lot more room to make improvement to engines beyond just what we're doing at Clearflame, and I'd love to keep adding to the product we've already developed. And I would also, um, you know, learn to start or would want to start working in some of the parallel areas. I believe very strongly that, you know, all the different areas that the diesel engine is used today, you know, it's not going to be replaced by one thing. And, and it doesn't matter how successful Clearflame is, it is not going to be the only solution to this problem. And so, you know, once we get to the point where Clearflame is a self-sustained solution, you know, I'd, I'd like to start working on one of those other areas of the energy energy sector that that needs innovation. Um, I think this is getting a bit soapboxy, but I, I think you know, there's a a real sense around the energy dialogue of you know, we have to do something about sustainability. We have to protect our planet. Like that's true, and and, and hopefully not that many people would debate it. There's also the reality that a billion people in the world don't have access to basic electricity. And the only way to solve that problem is to get more energy and more power out there to people. And it's, and it's how do we make those two huge needs that we have in the world not in conflict with each other? You know, I think I talked a little bit earlier about how Clearflame is solving part of that problem, but we're not going to solve all that problem. And I think 
um, you know, whatever comes next, I, I could see, you know, my passion in, in life is, is helping, is working to solve both sides that energy problem. And I would love to get engaged in, in whatever's next, whatever problem ClearFlame is not solving. You know, how do I expand what I do next to bring what I've learned with ClearFlame to some of those parallel sectors? Wow, that's a great answer. You know, I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole with the discussion on energy because I originally come from, uh, ironically, which shouldn't be in energy deprived areas because there's so much sun. Um, so, but, you know, hey, you know, it's just the way things are. But I, I, like I said, I could go down a rabbit hole with that. And, and so to refocus the discussion, I'm going to hand it back to Ray at this point. Thank you so much. You're listening to A Conversation with Dr. B.J. Johnson, featuring Lango Dean and Rayondin Kennedy, presented by CCG Media. So, B.J., earlier I told you, you know, Lango and I like to tag team. And so Lango's specialty is kind of talking to the technical side. And I kind of like to talk to the personal side, but I don't want you to get scared. It's nothing too too, too deep. But uh, so if Lingo was talking to Dr. Johnson, I want to talk to BJ. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, um, uh, and just to clarify uh, kind of the point of audience for my questions is we're talking to maybe the younger generation, people who are looking up to you and kind of follow, following in your footsteps or want to follow in your footsteps or know how to follow in your footsteps. Uh, and so my first question is, uh, what was your first uh, inspiration for STEM? You know, we have this, we have this this uh, series going called My STEM Story. And so where did it start for you? You know, where did you, you know, first say, you know, I wanted to pursue this path? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think the, the interest in STEM came from high school. Um, and actually, specifically, I think senior year when I first took physics for the first time. And I remember, I mean, it seems so trivial looking back on it now, but it, it blew my mind that you could you could take a bunch of equations on a piece of paper and use that to figure out, like, if you threw a ball at a certain speed in a certain direction, you knew where it was going to come down. Like, the fact that we could use our brains to understand and impact and predict what would happen in the world was such an amazing tool that I don't think I appreciated until I took physics. And, and it was just such an empowering feeling knowing that, like, Look, I mean, there's some stuff that happens in the world that's out of our control, right? But there, there are so many things that happen that we can predict and we can understand. And the better we do using that knowledge to understand what's going to be the effect of what we do today, like that's how we solve problems. And, and it was just, it's just understanding that we could, we could translate cause to effect, which is what, what got me into STEM. I think, I think that's the, the heart of STEM is, is understanding why the world is the way it is. And I think that's the basis of solving a lot of problems. Hmm. Now, what about Clear Flame? Uh, you talked a lot about what you're doing with Clear Flame, but what's the origin story of Clear Flame? You know, how did you partner up with uh, Dr. Julie? Um, you know, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Julie and I, we met in, in grad school. So we were both in the same uh, lab at Stanford out in California. We we're both engineers by training. So, um, I mean, honestly, I got pretty lucky here, I feel like. Um, you know, I was uh, just starting in grad school. I knew I had this, I knew I had this interest in STEM all the way going back to high school. I, I knew I, I had the interest in energy and solving the energy problem, like I said, and, and was just lucky enough to be approached by uh, Chris Edwards, who is my thesis advisor, um, saying like, hey, I have this cool project on, on how to make, you know, engines cleaner and more efficient. 
and it and it started as just a, a really academic pursuit you know kind of what i was saying is like hey we can be intelligent and actually make improvements to this technology and um you know and going through it and learning more about the space and interfacing with you know the the whole detroit ecosystem around you know cars and trucks um that there was real market value here as well not academic value and that's when i realized like hey you know the the world there's there's more good solutions out there than these like you know manufacturers can try themselves like there's real merit to what i'm working on so um you know once i was lucky enough to actually kind of have the technology almost dropped into my lap and being developed in the lab at stanford realizing the way to actually make it a reality was to start clear playing with julie and that was a little over four years ago and then here we are today mm -hmm. i want to backtrack a little bit because i want to know why why uh focus on trying to change the environment what what was what was i mean you could have done anything right uh, and you could have tried to change the world um in any other way but what what about this particular area became your focus why did that become your focus yeah um i think it was and part of it was just uh the chance of timing i mean i you know com coming of age for me was like around that time when you know climate change even became a term that i think was just in the general public knowledge um and so i think you know my making my initial career decisions about what i wanted to do aligned a lot with like this new problem that all of a sudden people it, i mean it's not a new problem it's been around forever yeah. but it, a new public awareness awareness around it which is really exciting you know exciting uh, solving a problem that people are now just suddenly realizing like crap we got to do something you know that's that's where i wanted to be um you know why also why the energy a little bit i, th I think part of it is i th i think i saw you know, look, look, looking at the way people were looking at, you know, the, the, in particular, this, this problem, which I kind of had an academic interest in, you know, saw a lot of interest in terms of, you know, where we were going with electric vehicles and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that was great. And there was a ton of inertia around it. But like, I didn't want to do that, because I felt like that was only going to be part of the solution. And so I think what you know, I, I'm sure if a similar set of circumstances had unfolded slightly differently, I'd be doing something else. But for me, it was like, here's this major problem. And people are already thinking about it, but we're thinking about it in a way like electric vehicles, where, you know, that's a solution that's going to take a ton of scaling of infrastructure. And it's, it's right now kind of an expensive solution that not everyone can afford. And, you know, how can we, I saw this problem being solved in a way that wasn't necessarily going to work for everyone or solve the problem for everyone and that didn't sit well with me and so you know that i think that was it was the the intersection of a big problem that was just coming to awareness and a problem that was then that awareness was getting focused in in particular areas that i don't think encompass the whole picture and i just really wanted to fill out that picture and and you know i feel like i, I think that's kind of a wish wishy-washy answer but some of it just because like you know that that's the way the you know the things broke for me and, and based on you know where i was and what i had experienced and, and what i saw as the big shortcomings it was like a i got to do something about this issue because this is the one that's sitting in front of me right now and it's not the only one out there but it's it's the one that i am currently empowered to change and know enough about and so i'm going to do that now and you're back to lango's question you know, five years from now i'm sure it'll, hopefully I'm sure it'll be something else yeah uh, that's 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 awesome man you really are making an impact and i can't wait to see kind of uh what five years down the road looks like for you and so when i was uh reading up on you you know doing my research uh, i got really excited and here's why 
Um, I was fortunate enough to play Division One football, had a full ride scholarship. Uh, my degree is actually in psychology. So I know the, the, the demands of being a full-time student athlete. And when I saw that you were on the U.S. national swim team, which I know comes with tons of demands, early mornings, workout sessions, working out, and you have your PhD, I know that had to be a crazy amount of focus and demands in college. So I want you to tell me a little bit about that experience of being a college athlete and pursuing your passion in academics as well. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, I can tell you, since you experienced it well, I mean, being a swimming student athlete is a lot like being a football one, but swimming's not as fun as football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, swimming's a great sport and it teaches you a lot. I, I like to joke about it. But, um, you know, I think I didn't appreciate what being a student athlete meant until I was no longer an athlete. And just everything it taught you about, like, your time management and your discipline. Like, there's so much I'm doing right now with, clear flame that I mean starting a company and, and trying to disrupt this like crazy entrenched space is is really hard, right? I think everyone would appreciate that. But I mean it's 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 honestly not any harder than than trying to be on the national team and finish a PhD at the same time. And having that experience, I didn't realize at the time how it was preparing me to be able to take on these other challenges. And you know, I really think the key there is, is is the same thing you said, like you're playing football and you got your psych degree. Like, it's not just being an, it's not just the being an athlete part, it's being able to manage the athlete part and everything you have to do with your academics at the same time. Like, it's, <laughs> the reason why college is such a fun time is because it's a, it's a, it's an easy way. There's a lot of easy ways to not have to worry about too much, right, while you're in college. And, you know, being a student athlete, I think kind of gives you a little bit of, awareness around having to to manage both sides of that like you know the the intellectual side of your life but also the interpersonal and the exercise and the hard work side of your life and the the team environment side of your life that comes with sports and so yeah i would just always i would encourage anyone who has that opportunity if, if you like the sport you're doing definitely do it in college because don't don't let it take don't let it take away from the academic side of college because I couldn't be doing what I'm doing right now if I hadn't succeeded in that side as as I'm sure is the case for you, but but also don't let it feel like it has to take away from your academics because you can be successful as at both, and if you are successful at both, it is such a tool to be able to use later in your life. Like if you can be a successful college student athlete in 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 every sense of that word, the student part and the athlete part. A lot of this other stuff is easy after that. So, um, yeah, it's a, I, I was very grateful to have that experience, and I would encourage anyone to, to keep doing the same thing. No, nah, BJ, you, you're, you're a superhero. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it doesn't even get any uh, simpler than that because, you know, uh, like you were saying, managing both sides of being a student and an athlete successfully and at a high level at both uh, it demands a lot, and a lot of people don't really realize uh, uh, how much effort, how much focus, how much dedication, sacrifice um, that comes with that position. And so I really wanted to make sure I pointed that out because that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's 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 it. Do you have any last words uh, before before we uh, end this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think I would just say again, um, you know, Julie and I, as we kind of alluded to, you know, we're in a we're in a big traditional space. With, with entrenched players and, you know, 
with that comes all the business challenges. And there's, there's also, um, you know, I think as everyone's aware, like very real, like diversity, equity, inclusion issues in the, in this space as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a problem that is not solved yet. Um, but I think it's a problem that, that right now we're, we are at a moment, and I hope I'm not being naive about this. I think we are at a moment that people really are willing to listen and understand the problems that we have in those, uh, in those spaces, you know, with diversity. And I think, I think there's also a burden on us to, to do our part, which is, you know, if people are willing to listen and, and look, not everyone is, but I think people really are out there willing to listen. Like we got to show up and talk and, and make sure our voices are heard as well. And like, there's, there's a receptiveness to the message that we're trying to bring. Let's do our part to make sure it, it's, it's brought out there. And like, it, it is, it is scary to, to take that jump and, and go into a room where you don't look like a lot of the people around you. Um, but you know, it, it's not going to look any different than that if people don't start showing up and filling the room with different faces. Right. So um, like it is scary, but there are people out there that want to help you. Um, both people that look like you and people that don't. And so just tap into that and, and realize that your diversity brings a lot of strength to you as well. That, that, that different life perspective that you bring is a huge asset and, and the world is starting to value it. So, so make sure, make sure you get that voice out there. I, I think that's a critically important message, especially, especially today, especially right now. Thank you. Uh, BJ, before we get out of here, if people want to learn more about you or uh, uh, Clearflame, um, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, clearflameengines.com is our website. Uh, we got a presence on uh, LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, I need to get way better at social media, so I would tell you to follow me directly if I had a Twitter. That's one of my big shortcomings as a CEO. I got to work on that. Um, but you know, I think one of the it's for, for anyone trying to go into our, into any anyone trying to change the world, I think it's uh, it's a real metric that you know they get. I just said get the voice out there, and I guess I just do as I say, not as I do. I got to get my voice out there on Twitter a little more. But anything you guys can do to you know follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, help us get that message out there, and and just help us to show that you know people care about you know what we're trying to do, both personally and professionally. That's uh, that's going to be a huge asset for us going forward. So thanks in advance for everyone doing that. And if you don't see me on Twitter in a few months, yell at me for it. Uh, BJ, I will take that on as a personal uh, <laughs> homework assignment. <laughs> BJ, we really want to thank you for taking the time to sit with us and, and have a conversation. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll be following you, and and you know we'll 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 be uh, uh, cheering you on, man. That, thanks, Ray. Thanks, Lango. Appreciate your guys' time. For sure. Thank you. Thank you, BJ. Great. Thank you for listening to A Conversation with Dr. B.J. Johnson, featuring Lango Dean and Rayondin Kennedy, presented by CCG Media. To stay up to date on the latest news in STEM, please visit www.blackengineer.com, www.hispanicengineer.com, and www.womenofcolor.online. You can also hear our catalog of interviews and conference seminars by visiting www.ccgmag.podbean.com.